Holy Hour of Power, the Terry and Jesse show, two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. And we are here. We're reporting for duty. Terry, what about you, my friend? I'm reporting for duty. I'm fired up because today's show is going to be one of the segments on Mother Angelica, one of my heroes in the Catholic Church. It's her 100th anniversary of her, uh, well, she died uh, She died seven years ago, but she would have been 100 years old this week. And so we're doing a little special on her. Raymond Royal did a whole hour on her. And I just think she's one of the great influential people in our my, my lifetime that's affected me in a positive way. So I want to talk about her. Also, I want to talk about the, uh, the atrocity that's going on uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, regarding the Satanic Temple Weekend. We're going to talk about why that's something we it, need to deal it's with. It's called, the, they're calling it, Terry, they're, they're, the theme is called A Weekend of Blasphemy. Yeah, Weekend of Blasphemy. Give me a break. And then, of course, to end on a good note, why is the cross a stumbling block for Jews and foolishness for Gentiles? And can I also add, for those who have no faith, and I'm mm-hmm. talking about inside the church, it's a foolish, it's a stumbling block because they want everything without the cross. So there you go. Now, Jess, right. yeah. I got some interesting things I want to bring up. One, the Missouri Diocese of Jefferson City, good to know, filed refusing to grant vaccination religious exemptions to Catholics. Check this out. While giving them to non-Catholics is driving Catholic families to seek other school options. Bottom line, Jesse, they're so mixed up on their Catholic theology. They really, truly believe, and it's from high prelates in the church, that they're telling us we have a moral obligation to get vaccinated. That's not what the church teaches, okay? Number two, the very fact that they're not allowing, they're allowing uh, people of non-Catholic to not get vaccinated tells me how far they believe that the faith should be applied to. Uh, in other words, what's, if, if they really truly believe this was a moral decision, why is like killing unborn babies? Is it okay for Protestants to kill unborn babies? Are non-Catholics too? No. But you see, once you get mixed up on your morality, you get mixed up on your philosophy and you're a d- deep doo-doo. Sorry, Jess, that's how I see it. Now, the Diocese of Jefferson City, those, those are the ones I would re- respond to and let them know that uh, they're way off. Another good-to-know file, Italy strips some gay couples of parental recognition. Um, what's interesting is she is the prime minister of Italy, and she reminds me of so, such a, a fiery, fiery Catholic because she believes in her Catholic faith. She's telling them, look, man, when you have a husband and you have a, a mother, a wife, and anything else doesn't work, not, my, not when it's on my watch. So I just want to congratulate her for basically uh, saying that this homosexual marriage is not the way God designed it, and their government there, she's not going to let it take place. Now, here's the other good-to-know file, Jesse. Trudeau's government, that's up in Canada, says it will supply American women with abortion pills if they're banned by your Supreme Court. You talk about highly motivated people to kill people? That's up in Canada. That's their government. And then last thing I'm going to say, uh, this is good news. Um, The governor of North Dakota is the next state, the lawmakers for acting to protect children from predatory transgender industry and are urging the remaining states without any protection to follow suit as possible. In other words, this thing about sex changes, they're not, it's not, not in my state. So I'm seeing more and more states standing up to that, Jess. How about yourself? What do you got going for the need-to-know file? Terry, that's, you pretty much, uh, we're tracking in the same direction. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, but I, I, I can't wait to hear uh, 
Oh, your mother, mother Angelica oh, stories. Yeah. But uh, Terry, the, the two there's two mass readings I want to share today because both of them were very powerful. The first Soul one, the food, gospel. Brother. Soul yeah. food. Go ahead. S- speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. The first reading and in First Peter chapter five, verse five and following. Beloved, clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. God opposes the proud, but but bestows favor on the humble. Uh, I want to stop there. Mm-hmm. St. Augustine says that that's the, the, power, the most powerful weapon in spiritual warfare is humility. Yep. And that second uh, sentence, Scott Hahn is constantly quoting that God opposes the proud. Yep. Uh, so I, I've heard those a hundred times. Uh, and it's, it's right from the Bible. It goes on to say, so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your worries about him on him because he cares for you. So no, knows what it says there. It doesn't say it doesn't say humble yourself under the mighty hand of politics, mm-hmm. or humble yourself under the mighty hand of sports, or humble yourself under the mighty hand hand of finances. It says under the mighty hand of God. Yes. Why? If you do that, the Bible says He will exalt you. Uh, people wonder what do I do with stress. Here's the answer: Cast all your cares upon Him, because He cares for you. In other words, give your problems, your stress, your anxiety to Jesus every day. Do it in prayer and do it intentionally. Then it says, be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that your brothers and sisters throughout the world undergo the same sufferings. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus, will himself restore. Here's the word. We call this a sacrament confirm mm-hmm. what does confirmation do look at the next word in the bible strengthen ah confirmation strengthens you it's right in the bible god will restore confirm strengthen and establish you after a little while to him be dominion forever amen i find it very interesting that the uh, the, the 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 sacrament of confirmation is named in Peter's letter, and then the next word tells you what the sacrament sacrament of confirmation does. It strengthens you. Amen. Also, what Peter says, uh, a lot of people use have that Flip Wilson theology. The devil made me do it. Not according to St. Peter. Right. St. Peter says, resist him. Yeah. How? How? Steadfast in faith. Not with jokes, not with comedy, not with what Flip Wilson or George Lopez do. With faith. You don't resist the devil with comedy. You resist him with faith. And then he talks about knowing that your brothers and sisters throughout the world undergo the same sufferings. In other words, every single one of us is carrying a cross. Some crosses are larger, some are smaller, some are heavier, some are lighter, but nobody gets out of planet Earth without carrying a cross. Then it says, St. Paul writes, <clears throat> he says, I write you this briefly through Sylvanus, whom I consider a faithful brother, exhorting you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Remain firm in it. So he just talks about one of his fellow evangelizers, Sylvanus. Then he says, the chosen one at Babylon sends you greetings. Who's that? That's Peter. Peter from where? Rome. Babylon is a code word for the city of Rome. The chosen one, that's Peter. The chosen one at Babylon sends you greeting. That's Peter. As does Mark, my son. St. Mark was a a sidekick of St. Paul. His gospel was taken probably uh, primarily from uh, from St. Paul and St. Peter. Then it says, Greet one another with a loving kiss. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Uh, that's why in the Middle East you'll see men, by the way, 
they're not homosexuals. One of the ways in the Middle East, you'll see a lot of uh, Middle Eastern men greet each other. They'll kiss each other in the cheek, mm-hmm. w- right and left. That, that, that's, that's a practice that goes back all the way to the Old and New Testament. They're, that's not a homosexual practice. They're not kissing in the lips. Yeah. And, and also today in the gospel, Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. By the way, that's a universal mandate. Every one of us is called to do that. Now, Mark is going to get specific to the clergy. Watch. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, so baptism. Now, that's something that's relegated to the clergy. Then he talks about charismatic gifts. Mm -hmm. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. By the way, the languages that people were speaking of back in the time of Christ, uh, they were languages that people understood. In other words, uh, Peter may have been speaking in his language in Hebrew Aramaic, and uh, uh, a Syrophoenician would have understood Peter's words in his own language, or a Syrian would have understood Peter in his own language, or an Ethiopian. That was the gift of tongues back in the New Testament. goes on to say, They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover them. Now, that's a ministry in the Catholic Church. It's called the anointing of the sick. And uh, it, it says here, Then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven and took a seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere. Who preached? The 12 apostles. Everywhere. While the Lord worked with them and it confirmed the word through accompanying signs the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good catechesis. Keep going, Jess. I'll just mention one Keep thing going. about, because some people say, well, Jess, see, I can drive out demons because it says here in Mark <laughs> chapter 16, verse uh, 16, that uh, that uh, anybody who believes in Jesus could, could drive out demons. Okay. So, yes, when you look at the early church, lay people, you look at Tertullian's writings, uh, Felix Manusius and other early Christians, lay people were involved in driving out demons in the early church, but... That was regulated by the church in 398 A.D. at the Fourth Council of Carthage. They put the ministry of driving out demons under the aegis of holy orders. Why? Because a lot of lay people were getting in trouble. What lay people were doing is they were charging money. They had this charism, the charismatic gift of, of driving out demons. They were charging money for the services. <laughs> that was called the sin of simony. Yes. And also, they were touching women inappropriately and even having sex with the possessed women under the auspices of, oh, I'm driving out the demon. So there was a lot of sexual uh, uh, hanky-panky going on. So the church took that ministry out of the lay people's hands and put it directly under the priest with their holy orders. Short course in in, uh, demonic history in the Catholic Church, Jess. Thanks. We come back, we're going to talk about someone Jess and I really appreciate and admire. That's Mother Angelica, EWTN, that she started. Got some fascinating stories for you to hear regarding Mother Angelica and much more. Stay with us, family, here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're going to talk about Mother Angelica, but before that, I just want to give Fulton Sheen, I forgot, oh, oh, Sheen ahead. Jesse, I like this quote from Fulton Sheen because this was 70 years ago, and he saw it coming. 
He said the conflict of the future will be between a God religion and a state religion, between Christ mm. and the Antichrist, but in a political disguise. So he, he nailed it. I, I just think that uh, Fulton Sheen was just a man ahead of his time. So, And I know Mother Angelica loved Fulton Sheen, and I want to honor Mother Angelica because this is her 100th anniversary of her birth. A year, 100 years ago, she was born. She died seven years ago, but as everybody knows, she was an amazing woman who evangelized the world through her network. Yes. But before I... I, I'm going to share some things today, Jesse. Are, are we going to play a clip here? I'm, we're going to play the clip? clip. I'm going to play the okay. clip, and then I'm going to share it. with people things that came from that clip uh, with Mother Angelica that many people are not aware of, even if they read Raymond Royal's book on Mother's Life, because I had some things happen to me with that issue that uh, you're going to want to hear. So let's let's set the stage. Mother Angelica just got a copy of uh, Cardinal Mahoney's book called, or not his article, his, no, his publication called We Faithfully Gather. It's on the Eucharist, where he watered down the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and not making a distinction, saying stupid things like, you know, Jesus is in the bread, Jesus is in the wine. That's Lutheranism. That's not what we teach. So he was, you know, <laughs> just off. And Mother Angelica flipped out. We call it red-pilling, okay? So I want yeah. you to listen to this, and then we'll talk about it. Mr. Engineer, play it. In November of 1997, Mother continued to advocate for orthodoxy. For Angelica, the spouse she lived for and loved, Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, was not a concept or a theological idea to be considered, but a person to be adored and defended. This helps to explain her indignation when she read a pastoral letter on the Eucharist by Cardinal Roger Mahoney of Los Angeles. She found the content of the letter to be confusing and vexing. She casually referenced this letter at the end of her live show, sitting right here one night, and accidentally crossed a canonical line. When the average layperson, long forgotten whatever catechism they learn, are told that there's no need for confession, there's no need for baptism, there there's not really a body and blood, soul, and divinity. In fact, the Cardinal of California is teaching that it's bread and wine before the Eucharist and after the Eucharist. Uh, I'm afraid my obedience in that diocese would be absolutely mm. zero. <laughs> and I hope everybody else is in that diocese. It's zero. Cardinal Mahoney took offense at those comments and demanded that Mother apologize and clarify her statement. Mother gave it to him. So I do want to apologize to the Cardinal for my remark, which I'm sure seemed excessive. But he has asked me for clarification. And this is what I would like to do this evening. This is my opinion, and this is how I saw it when I read it. What came through to me was the principal focus in this letter of assembly, the concentration on the assembly, all the people in the church, rather than the Eucharist. So I felt the letter was unclear to what the church teaches about the real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. At one point, she raised questions about Cardinal Mahoney's assertion that Jesus' presence was in the simple gifts of bread and wine. Watch this. I'm a simple woman. 
And I don't understand this, you see. So does that mean Christ is present before the consecration in the bread and wine? Is that what it means? Or does it mean that he is present after the consecration? Well, if he's present after the consecration, in what way? Did he just kind of hop into the bread and wine, but it's still bread and wine? Or has it become his body and blood? Well, if it's still bread and wine, why would I adore him? Why would I kneel and prostrate myself between what to, to bread and wine? That commentary would cost her dearly, I'm sorry to say. Wow. And Jesse, I want people to watch the whole show on Raymond Arroyo, but I got to tell you, here's the notice that nobody knows about, that Raymond Arroyo asked me if I could use it in his book on Mother, and I said, no, wait, wait 25 years. Well, I waited 27 years to say this, and that is... Mm -hmm. Mother and I were good friends, okay? Good friends so that in 1985, when the last Temptation of Christ movie came out, she came out to protest it because her little friend, that's me in California, called her on live television to ask her to come and protest the last Temptation of Christ movie, just like we're asking people to protest the satanic actions that are going on in Boston. This weekend. This weekend. See, Mother's the good example. But here's the story. I'm the one who sent that overnight package to Mother that pastoral letter from Cardinal Mahoney because she asked for it. And I'll tell you, I found over the years when Mother asked me to do something for her, I always said yes. So I went and got a early copy of it, overnighted it to her. And uh, not only did she get in trouble, Jesse, I got in trouble here in the Diocese of L.A. I got a letter following saying that uh, this is Cardinal Mahoney. Now, before this letter came to me, one of the just be honest with you. I'm telling it all right here. It should be in some book. Yes, someday. yes. But a, a priest in the diocese calls up from the chancery office. This Mr. Barber. I got to tell you, I can't say who I am, but I'm writing this. I'm, I have to write this letter that Cardinal Mahoney's writing to you. Just I want you to know we really respect what you do at St. Joseph Communications and sharing the faith. But I have to be obedient. I have to write this letter for the cardinal, and he's going to try and take you down. But I just wanted to warn you, it's coming. I said, Father. God bless you. Hey, would you offer a mass for us? That's all I ask, Father. God bless you. So I get the letter. It says that I'm going to be um, saying that Cardinal Mahoney is calling in uh, that um, we can't use the name St. Joseph Communications because I'm going to take it over. That's what the Cardinal said. So Father Benedict Rochelle, you remember him? He got involved and got me a canon lawyer in Rome, Count Componi, and he defended me against Cardinal Roger Mahoney. Terry Barber, five foot five. 44 years old at the time. Man, he was a tough hombre in the, in the ring. Guess what? <laughs> I knocked him out, Jess. You know what he did? He backed off. And then they told me that it was Mother Angelica, Father Joe Fessio, and Father Marks, and Terry Barber had it out for Cardinal Mahoney, and he was paranoid that we were trying to stop him in being the Cardinal of Los Angeles. Like, I have any authority? But Mother Angelica, Jesse, fired me up all through the years I've known her. I actually talked to her maybe a year before she passed year and a half because of her spiritual director letting her talk to me in just a few words because she had the, the stroke for the, so many years before she died, offering up her suffering. So she was a great friend of our ministry here. And I just want to say she red-pilled. She changed her habit at that time, went to a more traditional habit when the uh, issue came in with the 1993 um, 
World Youth Day where they put a woman to portray Christ in the Stations of the Cross. She flipped on that too. So what, what am I saying, Jesse? She's a model for us right now when she says, I don't like modernism in the church and I'm not going to put up with it. Guess what, Jess? We shouldn't have to put up with it either. We lay people, okay, should look to Mother Angelica and see her example of red-pilling on modernism. Because, Jess, that's what it is, really. Yeah. It's modernism. Terry, so back in 19, you know, go ahead. I'm just going to share, but go ahead and just jump in okay. whenever. Yeah, go ahead, Because bro. you were part of this. I was. So I remember in 1985. Yeah, last uh, temptation of mine. Martin Scorsese, that's he's right. the Hollywood movie producer and director. He came out with an anti-Catholic movie. He's come out with many of them, but the one in 1985 that caught the nation's attention was called The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, 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 I can't remember. I know what was homosexual de- thing. Okay. They tried to. All right. Yeah, that's okay. what I was going to say. He yeah. depicted. Okay. Yep. So, so the Catholics in Southern California, I remember. We protested. We were, yeah. we were absolutely appalled and livid. Yep. And, and there was an organized, peaceful, prayerful protest in public. Where was it at, Terry? Because I know you were part of the organization. It was right in Hollywood. In Hollywood. And, and we, had, we, we, we tried to get the archdiocese to back it, and they said, oh, no, stand down. Don't do it. Hmm, that's central. Oh, they, they did the same thing uh, that the Phoenix diocese exactly. did to me. Exactly, and also in Boston. So I see the connection here that we're going to be talking about what's taking place, the uh, travesty in Boston. Mother Angelica, if she was alive today, Jesse, guess what? She'd be there protesting. Of course, because she she went in 1985 to protest along with you with a rosary in her hand. She flew down from Alabama. That's right, with two sisters. She stood in the breach with Terry Barber and fellow lay Catholics in protest of this blasphemous movie. And and she prayed prayers of reparation (laughs) alongside her fellow Catholics in the public square. Why? She followed her well-formed conscience conscience based on the word of God. She didn't ask her bishop in Alabama, can I go and pray over in Los Angeles? She didn't ask Los Angeles Cardinal Roger Mahoney for permission. Can I come down to your diocese and pray in the sidewalk? You don't have to. You follow your well-formed conscience based on the word of God. And as... I mean, as the catechism is very, very clear yep. in, in, in paragraph 900, I'll just read it. Read it. It says, for, the, for by the sacrament of confirmation, that was mentioned in the first reading today, the baptized are more perfectly bound to the church and are enriched with a special strength of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Hence, they are true witnesses of Christ, more strictly obliged to spread and defend the faith by word and deed. Next paragraph says, all faithful lay Christians entrusted by God by the virtue of baptism and confirmation have the right and duty individually or grouped in associations to work so that the the divine message of salvation may be made known and accepted by all men throughout the earth. How do you do that, Terry? It's simple. Public prayer, just like St. Louis de Montfort says, public prayer is more, it's more powerful than private prayer. St. John Vianney says the same thing. Public prayer is more powerful than private prayer. That's right. And also to the Israelites and, and, and Josh in Judges chapter six, they could not have won the famous battle of Jericho if they would have stood home and just prayed at home. They had to go out there and suit up, show up at the enemy's gates. Then what? God delivered the victory, but they were obedient to what God said. Go and play pug, public, uh, publicly, do public prayer, and then march around the city seven times, and I will give you the victory. Amen. And Jesse, we're going to be talking why Mother is such an inspiration to us when we come back from the break about the weekend of blasphemy at the Boston Marriott uh, play April 28th to April 30th, and why we Catholics need to stand up 
and publicly say our prayers publicly there to make restitution and reparation for these sacrileges that are going on. This is important. You know, Jesse, I'm just going to say it like it is. Mother Angelica inspired me to always stand up for the truth, no matter what the cost would be. Because that's what yeah. she did. She put her, I'll give one more story about the Bishop's Conference trying to shut her down and uh, in the 1990s. And they came out to say, we're going to close it down. Uh, as, and, Bishop, and Mother Angelica said, really, before you do that, here's a letter I want you to read. It was from St. John Paul II as the Pope at the time saying that he endorsed TWTN and that they're doing great work. So, guys, whatever you want to do, let's do it. They walked out, they said, never said a word, never came back to EWTN. That's my kind of girl, Mother Angelica. May she rest right. in peace. Amen. Yes, when we come back, let's talk about the weekend of blasphemy at Boston Marriott. Are you kidding me? Yes, we're going to talk about it, make reparation, and pray about it. Stay with us, family. We'll be back. Get it, Jeff. Terry, this weekend, yes, tell April twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth, yeah, at the Boston Marriott Copley Place. I thought the, I thought the uh, Marriotts were run by Mormons. I don't know what's going on over. Money there. talks. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The Temple of Satan is having a satanic conference. It's called the Weekend of Blasphemy. They're going to be uh, uh, showing people how to do satanic rituals, uh, hexes, curses. Yeah, uh, they're going to show a satanic wedding. Uh, they're going to have a satanic marketplace where you can buy satanic uh, anti-sacramentals, I would call them. Uh, these Satanists, Terry, are completely out of the closet and they're on the offense. They're on the attack. And most uh, Catholics, including a lot of our bishops, are yawning. They're asleep uh, <laughs> on duty instead of being those watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem yeah. warning us about the approaching enemy. There is a lay person who is in, is, who's the point man. God bless him. His name's Kenneth Murphy. If you want to contact him, he's organizing a peaceful, prayerful rally of reparation Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. Uh, go to bostonreparation at gmail.com. Bostonreparation at gmail.com. One more time, bostonreparation at gmail.com. His name is Kenneth Murphy. And, I'll, I'm, and I'm sad to say, Terry, that the Satanic Conference was sold out about two months ago. Yeah. It took a few days before it was sold out. Yeah, but that tells you, Jesse, that this is an event that a lot of folks want to get to. And again, I really question this, Jesse. I, I know that this, um, uh, you know, there's the five points that they're going to cover. You know, that Satanic Temple is anti-one God, under nation under God. It, it attacks the Ten Commandments. I mean, come on. What more do you want to have a group do that will get you to respond? And I get that they say this. Hey, well, if we come out, we're going to put more highlight on it. Really? Let me tell you something about spiritual warfare and anything on the faith. Over the 2,000 years of the Catholic Church, when we were attacked, and we're being attacked, Jesse. Yes. Every time we sat down for appeasement, we lost. You know why? You lose because you don't take the fight. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I really question, and I know, Jesse, I get in trouble for saying this, but I said this off the air. I'm going to say it on the air. I question those bishops if they really truly believe that the devil is for real, unless they think that this is just, you know, anything about the devil is just made up. It, you know, people are making him big, more stronger than he is. Uh, you know, some degree that they think 
it really isn't necessary to respond because these kind of things will just, you know, disappear if you just leave them alone. Really? Original sins, do you believe? Uh, that would be my question. Do you believe in original sin? Because if you believe in original sin, then you know that we have good and evil in the world and that we are, our souls are in, fight, uh, in a fight for our souls. And the devil is, like the Bible said, uh, is, is, is like a luring lion. So, Jesse, I really question the bishops who are sitting back and saying nothing. That What, what do they believe about demonic, you know, demonic activity? That's my question. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, um, the, the cardinal or the archbishop out there yeah, is the Archbishop uh, Sean O'Malley. Yeah, he's a Franciscan. Mm -hmm. In 2020, he asked Catholics, he encouraged Catholics to protest along with Black Lives Matter that, yeah. after the death of George Floyd. So uh, he had no problem asking Catholics to go out there yeah. and uh, and protest along with Black Lives Matter, which, by the way, Black Lives Matter, uh, it's a Marxist organization and it's founded by three lesbian witches. No, it's a fact. And so the cardinal is telling Catholics in his archdiocese <laughs> to go out and protest uh, with these, this Marxist organization uh, started by three lesbian witches. But... He's now saying, a letter went out, he's telling Catholics, don't go out, and uh, he calls it protest. What it is, actually, it's the prayers of reparation in front of the Satanic Conference this weekend. Yeah. Uh, the, the Satanic Conference is called the Weekend of Blasphemy. Yeah. It, it's, it's, to me, Terry, why is he, it seems to me that uh, that statement it, it shows some type of partiality towards these occultist groups. I, I, Jesse, let me jump yeah, in. Leave, leave, them, leave the occultist groups alone. In fact... Yeah, go and terrible. go and protest along with them. Black Lives Matter, because the Black Lives Matter, they're an occultist group. Terry, I really think, Jesse, if they saw the movie Nefarious, like yeah. both of us have seen and yes. seeing how the devil operates and it was really Catholic theology, they would have a different view about this. I really I'm I'm, I'm not trying to pick on them. I'm just saying, come on, get with the program, get with what the Catholic Church teaches. And, you know, Jesse. These priests and bishops today never got formed in spiritual warfare as part of their no. formation. So they I'm admit just, it, too. They, did they? Yeah, they admit it. So I get that. But my point is, we're at war right now. We need our generals to stand up and fight. We don't need the generals to be quiet right now. Terry, we also have a biblical mandate. Number one, uh, it's, it's we got to follow our conscience, our well-formed conscience based on the Word of God. Amen. Because, uh, again, our, our conscience, uh, our well-formed conscience, based on the Word of God, as the Catechism says, yeah. it, uh, it's, 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 it's our first vicar. That's what St. John Henry, Henry Cardinal Newman called the conscience. Conscience is the, is the earliest known vicar of Christ. Mm. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.11, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yep. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Remember the Catechism of the Catholic Church in 2447, it, tells, it, it talks about the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. One of the spiritual works of mercy is, Terry, is instruct and advise the ignorant. Exactly. And how are you going to instruct and advise the Satanists unless, you, uh, unless you're in front of them, unless you're making eye contact with them? Who knows? Think about this. 
there could be another blessed Bartolo Lone in the right. crowd. That's right. A high level, a Satanist that was an ex-Catholic. Yep. And because of the prayers of reparation, because of the beautiful rosaries and the Gregorian chant being being uh, being played. And, and uh, the Our Lady of Fatima statue being processed around the conference center. You don't know that the, there could be another Bartolo Longo who's going to come into the Catholic Church, sure. renounce Satanism, and spend the rest of his life promoting the Holy Rosary and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to pray that these Satanists receive the grace of conversion. That's what we want to do. We're not Antifa. We're not Black Lives Matter. We, we, are, we, we are people of peace that represent the Prince of Peace, Terry. Amen. And Jesse, the thing about what I what I hear what I'm hearing here is that when you see evil, okay, um, you can't just look away and say, "Oh, I'm not going to confront that." Remember, we have the sacraments. I mean, here I am telling bishops, successors of the apostles, go to confession and lead the troops, okay? Yeah. Because that's the most powerful thing we can. So we cannot have love at the expense of truth. You can't be. The truth is, this is evil that's going on there. So for us to do nothing other than say, well, we'll just say our prayers. Where's a one-two punch? Jesse, you know you have a background in boxing. You go out in the ring, and you've got your opponent out there, and you don't even think he's an opponent. You're going to just say, I, uh, he's not there. Let's just don't give him any credit. And he comes mm. and he gives you a one-two, and you're on the ground, dude. That's how I see it. That's right. And, and Terry, public prayer is many of the saints have talked about yeah, the power about of public prayer. prayer. Yeah, let's talk about Saint, that. Yeah, St. Louis de Montfort yeah, in The Secret of the Rosary said, public pray, quote, public prayer is far more powerful than private prayer right. to appease the anger of God and call down his mercy. And Holy Mother Church, guided by the Holy Ghost, has always advocated public prayer in times of public tragedy and suffering. Makes sense. Well, guess what, Terry? This is a time of public tragedy. Uh, a city being consecrated to Satan and, and calling it the weekend of blasphemy. I thank God for the, the young men at American East Fatima. Oh, They're yeah. going to be there in full force. Every They're going to be there in full force with their banners, uh, uh, which says Satan has no rights. Uh, banners which, which have Mary crushing the head of a serpent and actually quotes Genesis 315. 3.15. Yep. They're going to be there with their suits, their ties, their bagpipes. Uh, praying the rosary alongside the hundreds of Catholics there. Awesome. Uh, they're going to be singing a Gregorian chant as well. Uh, St. John Vianney also says this about, uh, about public prayer. He says this, quote, Private prayer is like straw scattered here and there. If you set it on fire, it makes a lot of little flames. But gather these straws together into a bundle and light them, and you get a mighty fire rising like a column into the sky. Public prayer is like that. Yeah. St. John Vianney. So St. John Vianney saying private prayer is good, but it's like a little, little, little match here and there. Yeah. Public prayer, he says, it's, it's, like a, it's like a pillar of fire. It's like a column of fire rising to the sky. It's your left hook if you're a, if you're a boxer, yes. I'm telling you. Yeah. Hey, Jess, this is the bottom line. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. And I think we should be more worried about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if we don't. So if we don't say anything about this event, and you've got Catholics, you've got non-Catholics saying, hey, this is pretty interesting. Nobody's, nobody's saying that, just like abortion, nobody's there at the clinic to pray and say this is wrong, that's gonna, that in itself is going to stop people from going in to uh, have an abortion. We know that, your presence. I guarantee you, the very presence of people praying at this event yeah. Will, yeah. will make people really question what's going on. Is there really good and evil here? And they will see that. But without those people being there, praying publicly, that won't happen, Jess. 
Terry, remember that famous battle of Jericho in Judges oh, chapter 6? Tell us about it. Refresh our memory. Yeah, yeah. So the Israelites, they could not have won the, that famous battle of Jericho mm-hmm. if they would have stood at home, just prayed at home. God asked them to go out there. God said, hey, suit up and show up at the enemy's gates. And what did God do? He promised to deliver them victory, and he did. Why? Yeah. They were obedient to God in doing public prayer. God instructed Joshua with this unusual strategy for battle, uh, he told Joshua to take his army, march around the city once a day for six straight days. And while they were marching, the soldiers played their trumpets as the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant around the city of Jericho. That's what, that's what the Catholics are going to do on the East Coast. They're going to carry Our Lady of Fatima around. Well, on the seventh day, in Judges chapter 6, the Israelites, they marched around the walls of Jericho seven times, and Joshua assured them that by God's order, Everyone in the city must be slain except Rahab and her family. Well, guess what happened? At Joshua's order, the men produced a powerful shout and the, Jer- and the walls of Jericho, they miraculously fell down and the Israelite army raced in quickly and conquered, and conquered the city just like God had promised them. But Terry, they had to suit up and show up for their prayer to be effective. You know what else you have to have? Supernatural faith. Yeah, I said it, Jess. Without supernatural faith, it's a waste of time, right? No, no. Stay with us, family. I got one more thought, Jess, on this. Yeah, and then we'll too. cover. I do too. Why is yeah, the cross too. a stumbling block? We'll, we'll okay. cover it when we come back on this Boston uh, weekend of blasphemy. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse Show. Terry, there's three types of men. Uh, Hell this, no. th- yeah, you got uh, no. you got wolves. Those no. are bad men. You got you got sheep dogs. Those are good men. Yeah. And then you got the she- you got uh, the shepherds. Pretty much, Terry, the shepherds right now are gone. Yeah. Most of the shepherds are gone. So right now, there's a battle between good men and bad men. There's a ma- battle between sheep dogs and wolves. That's us, sheep dogs, good men follow Christ. Sons and sons of God versus the wolves. Those are bad men that follow Satan because the shepherds at this point are pretty much gone, Terry. Yeah, we're not getting now. Here's what I wanted to say about Catholics going in the public square. Tell me. Bishop Barron, he actually made a very, very good comment on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2020, when we were having all these anarchists tearing down statues of saints yeah. and defacing Catholic churches and setting churches on fire. Yeah. Uh, a lot of lay Catholics, we were asking, hey, where are the bishops? What are the bishops doing? Well, Bishop Robert Barron, he answered this question on his Ward on Fire blog. Uh, it was on June 24th, 2020. It's, it, his, his blog was called, What Are You Laymen Doing? Uh, what Are the Bishops Doing About It? He said, What are the bishops doing about it is the wrong question. According to Bishop Barron, he says, many lay Catholics like to complain that their leadership does nothing about the problems happening in the world while doing little themselves. Although he grants that the bishops could do more, though not much more, he claims that these concerned Catholics are putting way too much responsibility on the clergy and not nearly enough on themselves. Rather, Bishop Barron argues that it is the laity, not the clergy, who must fight the legal and cultural battles in the public square. Guess what? He's 100% right. Bishop Barron says, to support my claim, he cites the Vatican II document, Lumen Gentium, which states that the laity, 
by their very vocation, seek the kingdom of God by engaging in temporal affairs. That's worldly affairs. And by ordering them according to the plan of God. Close quote. Bishop Barron means that the bishops need to attend to church matters more or less exclusively while lay people live out their Catholicism in the secular world. Close quote. Bishop Barron also said in his blog, I would argue that the lion's share of the work regarding this massive societal problem belongs to those whose proper arena is the society and whose expertise lies precisely in the relevant areas of concern, namely the laity. In other words, the sanctuary from the altarail to the tabernacle, that's... That's where the clergy, that's, the where the, that's, that's their dominion, yeah. a sacrament, liturgy, yeah. prayer. Of course. Uh, but from outside the altar rail and into the streets, that's the dominion of the lay people. Yeah. And I'll tell you somebody who understands this. He spoke at you, with, with you at your last conference, yeah. my brother Johnny Romero. Yeah. Former Marine, blue collar, Los Angeles, yeah. Department of Water and Power, city worker, yeah. father of six kids and zealous Catholics. Yeah. On June 25th, 2020, here's what happened. Yeah. There was a fellow pro-life Catholic friend of ours, Laura Chavez, who was very active out there in pro-life work in Southern California. She calls my brother Johnny, who's getting off of work from downtown Los Angeles, and she says that Black Lives Matter and Antifa were on their way to the San Fernando Mission Park, which is across the street from the Catholic mission, one of the 21 missions in California. So, so Johnny says, I'll be right there, <laughs> you know, all tired from work. So my brother Johnny pulls up, parks the car. He says about a hundred anarchists were marching over there to tear down a statue of St. Junipero Serra. Well, my brother Johnny, without hesitating, outnumbered, <laughs> based on his love for God and the Catholic faith, exactly. drove over to San Fernando Mission Park, armed with a rosary, armed with a, with a heart full of faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And when he got there, there were six other Catholic men. who he didn't, know them. he didn't know them from Adam, but he saw that they had rosaries in their hands. So he goes, okay, these guys are the good guys. Well, they stood around the statue of St. Junipero Serra, and what did they do? They were praying the rosary, and they got kind of in a, in a, in a self-defense position, left leg forward, strong leg back, <laughs> left hand up, a strong hand back. So they were kind of like in, in a boxer position, but praying the rosary. And guess what? <laughs> they were able to hold back 100 Black Lives Matter and Antifa anarchists who were hell-bent on toppling the Catholic statue with chains. These anarchists, my brother Johnny told me, they were screaming, cussing, threatening them with violence if they didn't move out of the way. And the police finally arrived, and they stood between my brother and the six other Catholic men and a hundred anarchists that were threatening them with violence. Uh, I, somebody had sent me this video, and, and I watched it on my iPhone. Uh, and my brother, but see, the point that I'm making is this: yes. my brother didn't call up his pastor, Father uh, <laughs> Bob Guerin. Yeah. He didn't call Father. Can I go and pray in front of the statue of Father Junipero Serra? Some hundred Black Lives Matter anarchists are going to tear it down with chains and crowbars. Can I go and pray out there? No. Or he didn't call his bishop, whoever his bishop in San Fer- the San Fernando region was back then. Uh, I know he's sick right now. Uh, he didn't call up the bishop's office and say, "Can I go and protect the statue, of Father Junipero?" No. He he went based on his well-formed 
can exactly. conscience based on the word of God. It's a prudential judgment of his. If he gets his butt kicked, it's a prudential judgment that he's going to have to live with. But he did this based on his love for God and the Catholic Church. And guess what, Terry? Natural law and his faith compelled my brother Johnny to put his body in harm's way and stand in front of the statue of a mob that had real bad intentions. And again, I took to my brother Johnny later, and in retrospect, I, I told him, dude, don't you know you could have been killed and left six, kid, six kids orphan? He goes, yeah, that crossed my mind. But he goes, I felt duty-bound by my Catholic faith to go into the public square and defend the statue of, of the church and suffer the consequences. See, Terry, that's exactly what Bishop Barron just said that's right. in his Johnny blog. did it. Johnny did it. He, he lived yeah. it out. Johnny said, Johnny lived what Bishop Barron said is the right of every lay Catholic. So, so Catholics in the East Coast, you don't have to ask Cardinal uh, Sean O'Malley, can I go out there and pray? You don't have, it's a prudential judgment. You decide based on your well-formed conscience, based on the word of God, your love for the Catholic faith. You, you go into the breach. You go into the public square. That's the domain of the laity, Terry. Said Jesse, they're 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 talking to me in my ear while you're preaching the word, man. <laughs> hey, hey, Jesse, you know I know we have our stations of the cross in Boston, and we have a lot of New York they have stations that are nearby the drive. I just want to encourage people; it's worth the drive to go there and stand up for your faith. Because you know, Jesse, when you really think, when it really comes down to it, when it all comes down to it, it's all about the salvation of souls. And if souls yes. are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. So. In a sense, if we have to take it on the chin for Jesus, how? You know what, Jess? That's an honor. Your what your brother did, and what those people are doing this weekend in Boston. If something happens to them, you ask your guardian angel for protection. You pray your rosary. You do your best you can. And if God allows you to suffer for Christ, you know what, Jess? From where I come from, and from what the Bible says, that's a blessing, brother. Yeah. Terry, and let's not forget that we're not only does Vatican II and the church say that the lay Catholics are supposed to sanctify. That means make holy the temporal order. What does that mean? The streets. How? With armed with the gospel. And let's not forget also that we're Americans as well. And our constitutional rights give us the right to peaceably assemble in public. That's right. Okay, so uh, just because I'm a Catholic, Terry, doesn't mean I lose my constitutional guarantees. I have the right to of freedom of speech, That's right. freedom of religion in public, and freedom to peaceably assemble in public. So Catholics are within their rights uh, as Americans and within their rights as Catholics uh, to go out there into the public square, quoting Bishop Olmsted's document, into the breach. Read it. He says, hit the streets. His document, Catholics in the Public Square. He says, lay Catholics, go out there and hit the streets. Make the streets holy. Pray in public. All that's in his documents, Terry. Now, I, for the life of me, I don't know why he wanted us to stand down here also in Scott, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, when uh, when the Temple of Satan came out over here. Yep. Although three, 300 Catholics, we still went out there and we prayed because sure. we felt it was our duty. Yeah. Uh, Again, but everything that he was saying to us through memos to the pastors of the, of the Diocese of Phoenix was the exact opposite of his book, Into the Breach, and the exact opposite of his book, Catholics in the Public Square. Well said, and I'm going back to Mother Angelica since we're honoring her on her 100th yes. birthday. She, I know, would be 100% behind going out to Boston and protesting. Her sisters would be there. 
I just know that because of what she did back in 1985 here in Los Angeles on the last Temptation of Christ movie, the blasphemous movie. She said, yeah, we need to make reparation. And I think Our Lady said that too. I say that every, at the end of every show that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Jesse, you made the comment that if we weren't there, how many of those souls at that event wouldn't be touched with the gospel? I believe that is a fact, not fiction. I really, truly believe that people, again, don't care how much you know, Mr. Romero, until they know how much you care. When you're, being, when you're present there, standing up and calling it evil, I, you got to look at yourself and say, it's either, it's either evil or it's not. It's one of the two. But you can't make that decision when nobody's there praying for the end of this blasphemous meeting. You got to see good and evil. I was going to leave you on one note, Jesse. You and I talked off the air about our grandchildren. One of my favorite stories that my grandson says hits his favorite story is before I take him to bed, I talked to him about the great fight in heaven the good angels and the bad angels. Mm. And the point of it is, he's learning at age two or three how there's good and bad and that there's evil and that God is on the good side and that he should be on the good side. So what is he always doing? He's, he's, like, he's like a little policeman for God. He's arresting the bad guys. His imagination is telling him all these things. <laughs> yes, you've got the same thing with your children. Yeah. You see, that's the formation they're going to get when they become an adult. This idea of evil and goodness, it fits. Yeah, they're going to understand it. Terry, also remember the, the, this satanic conference that's been sold out for, for weeks and weeks. It's called the Weekend of Blasphemy. Yeah, what a name. Uh, according to Catholic theology uh, and according to uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary yeah. and the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, yeah. we are supposed to do prayers of reparation oh, yeah. for blasphemy against our Lord and Our Lady. That's who they're going to blaspheme this weekend. Prayers of reparation mean we got to repair the damage that, that the Satanists are going to project their curses and hexes and spells into the air into the cosmos we have to be there so we can repair the damage exactly uh, that's what reparation means right. our prayers are more powerful than their curses and we want to console the sacred heart of jesus and console the immaculate heart of mary with our prayers of reparation that's why when a church is been desecrated we have certain prayers to pray this is catholic theology nothing more than that so catholics <laughs> stand up with a Bible in your hand, a rosary in the other hand, and do battle. Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? Last time I checked, partner, live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Go out there and back up uh, the fellow Catholics uh, this uh, weekend at the East Coast. If you want to uh, know what time they're going to get together, uh, go to bostonreparation at gmail.com. Bostonreparation at gmail.com. Bostonreparation at gmail.com. And, and get involved. Here. Awesome. Don't forget, whether you're four years old or 104, you can participate in the salvific work of Christ. Offer everything up for Jesus through Mary. May God richly bless you and your family. <laughs>